Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 80. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier on in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, usually joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore, but this week he's away from keyboard, away from network, and not able to join me to uh, record this introduction. Uh, Just a reminder, we are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at NerdJourney. I'm not going to do the rest of the traditional intro because that's like a back and forth that Nick and I usually do. And like I said... Nick's uh, on vacation. Um, I should clarify, he's on vacation and wasn't able to join me to uh, record the intro, but uh, he was uh, with me to record this week's interview with Manny Sidhu. Uh, Manny is a consultant in the uh, ANZ area, and he is here to talk about certification, education, and uh, mentoring Shockingly enough, we have another interview, second half, uh, next week, where we're going to talk about, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna let you uh, find out next week where we're, what we're going to talk about there. Um, so without further ado, I am going to throw it to Nick and I interviewing Manny Sidhu. Manny Sidhu, thanks for joining us on the Nerd Journey Podcast. Thanks for having me, Joe. Awesome. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you today, do today, like what your job is and who you work for, um, you know, that the, the position you have, what you do on a day-to-day basis? Absolutely. So my name is Manny Sidhu. Uh, I'm a father of four-year-old twins that keep us really busy. I work for myself. Uh, I've been a consultant in the hybrid cloud architecture and security space for about six to eight years now. And I think I started my IT career back in 2005, so it's been a good 15 years. Uh, Six years of hybrid cloud architecture, that that almost predates the idea of hybrid cloud architecture. How did did you get into that? Well, it's a great question that. So, you know, even back then, when I said hybrid cloud, I would have, I should have said, you know, multiple data centers is, I think, what Mm -hmm. I should have said. So I've been in that kind of space for about six to eight years. Yeah. Sure. And even probably at the time, you know, if you had like a company owned data center and then a colo data center, you know, that would feel like a on-prem, off-prem or... Pretty much, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. A lot of companies that I used to work with initially, they were like that. So they had this a main data center and a colo facility here and there for DR or for, you know, for bursting purposes, that kind of thing. So that's where I was coming from. Sure, sure. Yeah. Or another variation was uh, uh, managed service providers plus you know your own data center or exactly in your uh, on your campus off campus plus managed service provider. I mean, there's I suppose a still an infinite number of variations or maybe just a large number of variations. No, definitely. Yeah, it looks like you've been doing a lot of studies lately in the Azure space, Manny. Right, Are a lot of your customers looking into that these days? Yeah, absolutely. So I think. Um, uh, obviously, AWS is one of those uh, biggest players in this space. And Azure, 
uh, have been capturing the market at a rapid pace, and I think they're getting up there when it comes to competing with AWS, and I think GCP is getting there too. So yeah, I've seen a lot of customers now um, trying to extend into the zero space as much as they can in, compa in comparison with AWS or the other public cloud providers. Just because I work for Google Cloud doesn't mean that you need to pander to us. <laughs> <laughs> but that did make him happy, by the way. He definitely yeah. looks like that. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. How can you tell us about that? Uh, that the uh, kind of path that that brought you there? Because you started in two thousand five. It probably wasn't in um, hybrid data centers, or maybe it was. But mm -hmm. you know, what was that yeah. entry point, and then what was the path to get you where you are now? Absolutely. So I started off in IT way back in, like I said, two thousand and five. And back then, I had just completed a double master's in, in engineering and science. And you know, someone told me that IT was a great area to be in. And it's the kind of thing that you know would propel you forward in your career. You can grow in your career a lot faster than other fields. I'm like, okay, let's give it a go. So someone suggested, someone else suggested that I get into tech support um, at an ISP or some other mob. So I started to look for the, those kinds of jobs. And I think I was very lucky to get a job at a company called Dodo, which was an ISP back in Australia in those days. So they had just started, I think, in 2005. And I was on the graveyard shift back then from midnight to 9 a.m. So it wore me down pretty quickly, but it gave me really valuable world, uh, real world experience. And uh, after that, I moved into desktop su support for uh, for about, say, about a couple of years or so, then on to server support in 2008, if my memory serves me correctly, virtualization in about 2009, and got into the world of certifications in late 2008, I believe. And little did I know back then that I would be hooked onto these certifications. So and it's not not bragging or anything, but I got 40 plus of them. So I know where I'm coming from. And I think one of the key points that I would like to mention here is that there was an instance when I, f I started a job in desktop support in 2008, I think it was January. And the guy that used to do backups for that company left just before I started. So no one was doing backups. Backups were not being done at all. Were not being done at all. So the team lead once, you know, once came into the into the workshop that we we're in, and he says, uh, "Who wants to do backups uh, for for the company?" And like no one raised their hands, and I was just like three days old in that company, and I just raised my hand just like that. I'm like, I'll take it. And he said, "You sure?" I said, "Absolutely, I'm sure. I just want to be doing something that no one else wants to do, just because I want to learn as quickly as I can." And he said, "Great. So here it is." So, you know, there was no documentation, there was no processes in place, there was nothing in place back then. So I, you know, fixed a lot of things. I created a lot of documentation, a lot of standard operating procedures. So anyone else could also do the backups if I wasn't there. And any, anyone else could manage things if needed. And I think that's uh, that was a pretty good uh, pretty good opportunity for me that I put my hand up and uh, got into backups. So because that led on to getting into storage and that led on to getting into virtualization. So I think that was a great decision back then to put my hand up and say, I'm going to do this thing. Absolutely. And was there a specific catalyst at one of your employers that led to that first certification? How'd you find out about the certifications and uh, perceived value of those? Absolutely. So back then, uh, one of my colleagues uh, said he had done a Microsoft certification. I think back then it would have been 2003 or 8, uh, 8, I think. And he said he loved it. He loved studying for it. I, I, was, I was keenly interested. And I said, tell me more about it. And he says, it's got all these things in it. You know, you, you build a lab. You you know, you, you, you pick up your 
scales a lot faster and this is pretty interesting he said I said okay I'll take a look so but I didn't take a look right away and I, and I put it to bed for about about a month and then the guy asked me again did you take a look at it I'm like no mate. and he said you should and well that's when I did take a look at it and I, I was hooked so in doing these certifications we'll talk about it a little bit later too but doing these certifications uh, it gives me that sort of that adrenaline rush when you get the when you see the pass on the on the screen when you when you you know when you receive your score but also when you receive the fail and you you have this feeling of uh, where did I miss out and you know you have this uh, feeling to be able to get back into it and you know come back at it with a vengeance and you know pass the exam so I like that rush when it comes when you get when you get a passing score there's I've heard this philosophy that if your passing rate is too high, then that means that you're not being aggressive enough in your study rate and your exam rate. Do you have a do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think what I, what you're referring to is probably what people refer to as a paper tiger. Is that what you're referring to? No, I, actually, what I mean is like, um, you know, like, so I don't remember the last time I I failed a certification exam. Right. Um, so every single one that I've taken that I can remember, I've passed. Mm -hmm. But some people would say that means that I'm not being, I'm not studying, uh, I'm studying oh, too it. much for each each uh, certification, or I'm not taking the certification exam early enough. Yeah, absolutely. Or great, I'm not doing you, enough of them, you know? Yeah, great you bring this up. I was being interviewed for a job not long ago, and the guy said, "Oh wow, you got a lot of certification." I said, "Yes," and he said, "How do you, how do you find, how do you find the the energy and the motivation to sit for them and pass them?" I said, "You know, it looks like I've got 40 certifications, so that means about 50 or so exams, but you don't notice that I've actually failed about 40 of them too. So I've actually attempted them about 90 times, and you know, I've got about 40 certifications." So you know, so that was an instance when someone told me that you know it looks like you've been studying too hard and you know you're making all that effort, but you still manage to fail it. Like you know, failure is part of the part of the game, I think. Yeah, it's kind of like when you talk to like tennis players or golf players who came in second at major tournaments, but they also won a lot of those tournaments. You don't remember how many times those guys were runner-up. I mean, I know in this case, runner-up is you didn't pass, but yeah. it sounded very similar to me. Very, very similar. Very similar. It reminds me of a poster that I saw in one of my friend's uh, bedrooms. Uh, he had a Michael Jordan poster, and he said he's missed about 900 shots, you know, when it mattered. And he made, you know, about 26 of them, and those 26 of them won them about, I don't know, about six or so NBA titles or whatever it was. So exactly what you referred to. Yeah, there's a, I think there was even a Michael Jordan commercial back in the day and it had something to do with, I've taken, you know, X, you know, um, final shots in the game and missed and, and which resulted in a loss. Yeah. Right. And, uh, but you're right. Nobody remembers that, you know, they, exactly. you only remember the, the successes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think probably failure and struggle is is one of the important paths to success that Absolutely. maybe some people underestimate yeah, exactly and i think uh, one of the key points that i would also like to mention is that i got a job at vmware in 2017 i believe it was early 2017 and the reason why i got that job because i caught the nsx wave uh, quite early in 2016 so back in 2016 in australia at least nsx was on the say the six o'clock on the proverbial clock 
So, you know, and someone told me, you know, NSX is a pretty cool thing. And I took a look at it uh, and I said, wow, this, this, this is going to be huge. And, you know, I caught that wave pretty early. And back then when I did the certification for NSX, I think it was called VCIX and we, and no one in Victoria at least had the certification. And when I applied for the job and they said, you've got, you're the only one that has the certification in NSX. I'm like, okay, didn't know that. Wow. That's, that's pretty, actually pretty cool to be the first to do something. So. So my point was that, you know, I caught that NSX wave quite early. So it's, I think it's important for people to, to catch a wave in order to propel them the furthest. So instead of getting on a wave that's already, you know, um, past its prime, for example. So, you know, I would I get, like to give people this example of public cloud or hybrid cloud for that matter. So a lot of people uh, you know, are trying to jump onto the public cloud space now, which is not bad at all, which there's nothing wrong with it. But people that jumped onto this train or, or this wave in, say, about five or six years ago, they are much further ahead. So my point is that you got to try, you should try and catch onto this wave as soon as you can. There's an overlap there too, though, right? Things that, it was something that you thought was really cool, hmm. which I think that if you're not excited by something and you're just catching a wave, then maybe... Very true. It's a little bit tough to uh, to Very excel true. in it. Yeah, you've got to have, to have you got to have that have to have that drive and the passion for the thing too. So that's that's first and foremost. Right. So, like you just said. Yeah. But I I think it seems to go along with um, that volunteer attitude that you talked about in that yeah. very first job that you had, yeah. where you raised your hand and said, "Oh, I guess I'll I'll try it." And and you know sometimes when you try something, it opens up all these doors to you know, different skills in different areas that you didn't know existed. And maybe, you know, you have to try something before you can really confirm that you are or, or are not interested in it, right? Pretty much. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about one thing, Manny. You know, you, you catch a wave, you find yourself a little bit interested. How do you decide if you want to go deeper and get a deeper certification in that topic or move over to something that's adjacent to it that's also interesting to you? Oh, great point. Now, yeah, well, I'm the kind of guy that once I pick something up, I, tr I tend to uh, take it to its furthest point. But like you said, so if there's something else that comes up that's adjacent to what you just said, so, you know, it just depends on what where your interests lie. So if there's something to do with coding that you really like, you know, take that instead of you know, say, instead of just being a infrastructure person. So take what uh, interests you, take what, you know, drives you forward, take what, take what uh, interests you the most, and uh, take up that thing that you would want to talk about. Uh, if someone says, you know, can you present a five-minute session on something, and if that's the thing that you want to do, do it, instead of catching the other wave that you initially caught. Yeah, that's a good point. What better way to show you've learned something than give a short presentation on it or talk to someone else about it and try to teach them? That's great. Absolutely. absolutely. I think that's where your your local VMUGs and the other user groups, conferences that happen here every now and again, they're a great place to be in. So, you know, there's lots of spots that open up for, for community speakers, and I highly, highly recommend people take it up, you know, even though if you might think that no one's going to listen to me and I'm going to stumble and this and that, you know, the biggest thing is actually being on that stage and being able to present in front of people, no matter how bad you are, how bad you present, but you know, the getting to that stage is the first thing. And that's a pretty big thing. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I, I think if I remember correctly, Manny, one of the first times I heard your name was when I was listening to the V Brown bag set of training classes for the VCP six. And I remember you did a presentation on there 
uh, I don't I don't remember everything about it, but I remember you were one of the presenters and you did like an hour session and it was super helpful in, in getting me to the point to be ready to take that exam. Oh, thanks very much. I'm glad you liked it. So, you know, someone, uh, I forget the guy's name, I think it was Jonathan Frappier and he used to run B Brown Bag with uh, a guy called Cody Bunch, I believe. And they used to run this, and I think they still do, or at least Cody still does. And he said, uh, Jonathan said, you know, why don't you present a V Brown bag session? I'm like, that's actually not, not a bad idea. So I want to give back to the community as much as I can, because that's the type of guy I am. And he said, you know, try do it. Even what's the worst that can happen? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So that, I think that was back in, uh, I think, 2013 or 14, kind of time frame. And, you know, I loved every moment of it. I presented two sessions in the V Brown bag videos. And I think people, you know, not just yourself, but other people have reached out to me and said that you know, they found the session helpful, which is great. Which is, you know, Even if it helped one person, I think it served its purpose. I think that's a fantastic attitude to have, Manny, about just helping one person. If one person finds this valuable, it was worth my time to put it out there. Uh, that sounds like the heart of a teacher to me. That's very near and dear to my heart because I was a high school math teacher once. Have you ever found yourself in the field of education? It sounds like you could make some hay there. <laughs> no, I think I've been a mentor for a number of years now, so I think that serves my inner teacher, like you just said. So I, don't, I wouldn't want to get into education full-time because I don't like uh, lots of screaming kids. Uh, one or two are fine, but you know, not, not like a dozen of them. So yeah, apart from that, you know, doing these mentoring sessions uh, with other people has been great and, like I said, satisfied my inner teacher. That's awesome. And doing those types of presentations, uh, I imagine it's allowed you to really build your own personal network. That is correct. Absolutely. That's good. Now, what I'm really curious about is did did any of your employers on that back on that certification train, did any of them agree to pay for your certification? Did you ask them to pay for it or did you oftentimes had to cover it out of your own pocket? Yeah, great question that. So I think since I've been a consultant that, who has worked for himself, so so I've had to pay for them myself. I think the past say two or three years I've paid for them myself other than the time that I was at the VMware because that's when I got to attempt the VCDX. Apart from that, so I paid for my certification myself and before that all my sales were paid for by the employer that I worked for. So they only paid for the pass, not the fails. I've been out of pocket for a number of times, but I think the raises and the jumps in salary that I've had since then, and as a result of these certifications, has has paid off multiple times. So I don't think it really matters. So I would, you know, I urge everyone to to propel themselves forward using certifications or self-learning or whatever it might be. Don't worry about the cost, so because the cost is going to be covered many, many times over by when you get a raise or when you move to a different company and you jump ship. And yeah, so you know, I would highly, highly recommend them. That's really fascinating. Um, it's an interesting attitude because I think I've heard from you know different people that um, the attempts to do certifications. Um, have to be justified by something. Um, but it sounds to me like you're kind of advocating uh, the general growth of you as a professional and the the growth of constantly learning and having a goal is going to pay off regardless of whether 
maybe the specific position that you have requires that specific certification. Am I hearing you correctly there? Absolutely. So that's exactly what my point was. So, you know, a lot of times no one's actually asked me to do any of these certifications, except for one time when someone said you need a VCP to be able to get into the virtualization space. So that's the only time when I did a certification when I was when it was asked of me. So apart from that, I've always done these things to to propel me forward, to get additional responsibilities at work, to kind of stand out from my peers, kind of stand out in interviews. I, I'll tell you about my interviews as well when I stand out in terms of certification. So I think it really helps you stand out and, you know, you, you, you learn things a lot faster and you pick up additional skills that you may not have picked up if you had just kept doing your job. And like I said before, it helps you get additional responsibilities at work too. So back in 2010 or nine or so, I was when I did my first VCP. And the guy said, if you do this VCP, I'm going to give you the keys to the virtualization kingdom. I'm like, okay, wow, this is this is big. And so I paid for the, the VCP course out of pocket too, because the company that I used to work for back then, they said, we're not going to fund you for the $5,000 course that you've that you got to do for the VCP certification. I'm like, okay, I'm going to find an alternative to that. I'm not going to take no for an answer. So I spoke to a few people and I searched the internet and it turned out there's a there's a college in the U.S. Uh, it's called UCSC, so University of California, Santa Clara, I believe. So they used to do, and I think they still do, a VCP course for, back then at least, was $1,100. So it's much better option than a $5,000 course and it was done online as well. So I did it at my own pace, which, is, which uh, I did in a couple of days. So that earned me that credential and helped me get additional responsibilities at my, at my, at my job. So yeah, really helped. Yeah, I, I, I definitely remember seeing that there's um, those, I think it's the exact same courses run by educational institutions. Um, so if uh, cost is a barrier to people, then they should look around for, it doesn't, apparently it doesn't even have to be a local <laughs> institution. Exactly. exactly. So, you know, so that's a, actually that's actually a pretty pricey course in terms of VCP certification. There's a there's a college called Stanley. I don't know where they are in the U.S., but they're in the U.S. So Stanley, if you search for Stanley College and you know Stanley College VCP or whatever, you it'll bring up a course that you can do for just two hundred and fifty dollars, and you you know that serves as the credential required for the VCP certification. So yeah, so there are definitely options out there if you're looking around properly. Oh yeah, I did one at a local college not far from me. It was five Saturdays, and I think it was it it was three or four times what you described, but still way less than you know three to five thousand dollars. Exactly. So if you were to give advice, Manny, to someone who's just joining the workforce in technology, would you say that it's more important for them to gain experience? pursue certifications or do both at the same time? Absolutely, do both at the same time. So I don't think certifications on their own carry much value. So you got to have um, the job responsibility to, to back it up. So, you know, if, for example, if you're doing, I don't know, if you're doing, say, if you're, if you're a PHP developer, for example, and you're doing these, uh, say, these security certifications without the additional responsibility to work, I don't think it kind of adds up. So it's, it's a great talking point when you get to an interview, but I think if you do both those things at the same time, they're much better value. If someone's just starting out in IT, I would highly recommend that you get a job that lets you do those things. If, if that doesn't happen, then you work on the certification and that'll help you get that job that you want to do. Yeah, that makes absolute sense to me. Yeah, And it's not just certification. I think it's more about self-learning than just a certification. It's not about the piece of paper. 
that, that they give you at the end of the certification test. But it's more about the learning that you gain out of the certification process. It's all about the journey, in my opinion, rather than the destination. So, you know, yeah. I think it's very easy to understand that in retrospect. Um, and people who are beginners uh, often don't see that, right? Yeah. They see the barrier to getting the interviews. Like they say, oh, I can't even apply for this job because I don't even have the certification or I haven't taken the course or, or whatever it is that they see as the barrier, you know, whatever was listed in the job requirements. So all they see is the gating function and they don't understand, you know, at the end of the, the course and the certification, you know, you look back and you say, oh, it wasn't the certification, it was all the things that I learned. You know, Absolutely. So, so that just brings me to the point that I wanted to talk to you guys about the VCDX process. So mm -hmm. I, I attempted the VCDX certification three times when I was at VMware. Now I didn't make it. So I, and in my third attempt, I believe I was very, very close, but I didn't make it. But the key point is that I learned a lot during the process. I, I spent about a year and a half on it. My wife, my wife got fed up of me talking about the VCDX. I actually used to answer in the VCDX lingo to her at, at all times. She was actually fed up of my of me studying for the certification, but the learning that I had out of uh, the whole process, out of the 16, 18 months that I spent on it, that's massive, and it's actually really helped me. You know, I talk to customers, help them solve the problems that they've had, and actually get some decent jobs uh, since then. So it sounded like um, just um, interacting with the people in your personal life, like that was like a constraint to getting the VCDX. To his requirements. Yeah, got it. Yep. yep. Her requirements were different. <laughs> yes. And while I, you know, I'm not kidding or anything. So once uh, she said, I want a new mixer. I said, what's a requirement? Right. So, <laughs> so that's the kind of thing I was used to saying so much. And he said, yeah, here we go again. You know, here's a VCDX <laughs> lingo again. What kind of availability requirements we need exactly. on that mixer, honey? Exactly, exactly. And I said, you know, one's not going to be enough. You've got to have two. You gotta have redundancy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Do we need one at another site? Yeah, exactly. Or colo, yeah, exactly, like you just said. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I I might not be able to recover from that. <laughs> I'm actually curious, Manny. Uh, maybe maybe we should jump into the, the interviewing part because I think that plays into it quite a bit. One of the main reasons we wanted to have you on was not only to share your great experience, but you mentioned something about really enjoying interviewing. I'm really curious in the lens of interviewing, have you shared that story with someone you were interviewing with that you studied for the VCDX and maybe even though you didn't get there, how much you learned and what was their reaction? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I've had mixed reactions to that. So someone I, you know, before these interviews happened, I spoke to someone else uh, and he said, and I told him, you know, whether I should talk to people about my VCDX failures. And he said, they're not failures. You know, you just stumbled. I'm like, yeah, I know. But, you know, technically they're still failures. And he said, okay, if that's what you want to call them. I said, okay. So, yeah, eventually I went, I went to these uh, job interviews and, and I told someone uh, that I attempted the VCDX and, he, and I failed three times. And he said, okay, that's not good. I said, yeah, it's not good, but it ta taught me a lot. And he said, well, you didn't get the job, but you didn't get a certification. I said, that is correct. And, and he said, you should have started harder. Like, okay, that's a little bit different than what I've used to been here, what I've been used to hearing, or what I would have thought that you would have said. 
but you know that's what the guy said and then in another instance someone said oh that's great at least you attempted it three times and at least you got a whole lot whole lot out of it and he said yes absolutely so the key point to me out of self-learning and certification is gaining additional skills and that's where i got and that's what matters to me I think maybe somebody who said you should have studied harder maybe doesn't know anything about that certification. Maybe that's true too. Yeah. Yeah, that's like one time I failed the VCP. I remember my boss saying, well, man, I just never considered the fact that you might fail. It's like, thanks, boss. Makes you feel great. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's exactly what he said. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of times that people, I've heard people uh uh, being afraid to do any certifications just for the reason of being uh, being of, of potentially failing an exam and said that's okay mate you know what's the worst that can happen you are out of pocket by a couple hundred dollars that's nothing in terms of uh, you know the the skill that you uh, gain out of the whole thing and and you know i've actually helped a lot of people get to where they are right now uh, as part of you know, mentoring them and that's one of the main reasons why i've actually uh, joined the VC, v expert pro program and i know you guys wanted to talk about it but you know i've, I've loved being part of the v expert program in general and being a pro helps me you know further satisfy my inner teacher and help mentor people and get them where they want to be in their career well let's talk about that right because that program is the specific goal is spreading right? The yeah. kind of that knowledge and mentoring other people. Could you maybe give us an overview of that program, uh, your perspective of the program? First? Yeah, so I, I believe the idea of the program is to have this network of highly driven V experts, you know, people who would be willing to identify and help more and more people get to the V expert status. So, you know, the gist is that you're mentoring people to become V expert. And I believe that the criteria is pretty strict, which is what it should be. So you've got to be active in the local community. You've got to support people in the journey to become VC, uh, to become a V expert and actually help them propel their career forward. So I'm excited to be part of the program. And just backing up the, the VXPR program, uh, for those who don't know, is the advocacy program that VMware runs. Um, so it it does presume a certain amount of knowledge of, of VMware technology, but I, I believe really it's more about um, giving back to the community and um, you know presentations and participation and leadership in communities than it is about like a certain certification or something like that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so, I, yeah, I so like I said, the criteria is pretty strict. They want you to be really active in the local community. I've been a V expert myself for about seven or eight years or consecutive years up to now. I've been part of the NSX sub program for about four years. So I've always had this urge to give back to the community. And I think V expert helps me do that. And yeah. And, and I, I think all, they, Oh, go ahead. Go Sorry. Now you go. I was going to say, I think they added the pro sub-program, what, last couple of years, maybe? Yeah. It's fairly new. Yeah, I think 16 or 17, 2016 or 17, I think, when they launched it. 17, maybe, or 18, even. I don't know, Mike. There's a, um, there's a related program, or maybe it is this program, where um, they're actually trying to um, promote the creation of... Um, V experts in non-American countries, <laughs> um, non-Western countries too. I think like sp spreading like that area of expertise and and also uh, VMUG leaders, right? That is correct. Yes. Yeah. And so when you 
when you submit, is is there an application process for the VExpert Pro, or is that something you have to be nominated for? I can't remember. Yeah, I, I thought you would have had to be nominated for it, but no, they actually open up the applications every now and again. So I think I've only personally, I've only had the, I've only, I've only ever seen the application open once ever, which is when I applied for it, and that was I think early this year. But the initial ones, at least, were formed by nomination only. And then I guess you have to show evidence of mentoring Correct. people and the results they gained from that mentoring or something like that. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the key reasons, one of the key things that helped me get to this status was uh, my blog, which is now defunct because my ISP decided to blow it away without telling me. So, you know, because of my blog, a lot of people, you know, were helped apparently and, you know, kind of made me stand out. And that's one of the key reasons why I you know, became a V expert in the first instance and then pro later. Sounds like you might have to go back and reconstruct it from the Wayback Machine. <laughs> yes. The, what is the Internet Archive or whatever? They actually take snapshots at different That's right. sites. I think Google but has that, it cached anywhere. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. It can be painful though. Yeah. Sure. I understand. Uh, that that just reminds me. I need to do another backup of my blog. <laughs> Use Updraft Plus, John. Backup several times, maybe weekly. Is that a WordPress plugin? It is. Oh, okay. Yeah, I knew you'd like that. All right, cool. That's what I use. And by the way, it was easiest to link up to Google Drive, so I figured that would make you happy. <laughs> but uh, what I was going to say, Manny, is when you're mentoring these folks for VExpert, uh, how do you how do they find you, and how do you find them? What's the process like? Yeah, I think one of the best ways to do it is to actually jump on the VExpert. Uh, website that VMware have and you can actually filter by VExpert Pro and it says explicitly that you can contact these people in order to help you with the application to become VExpert and how to get to VExpert status and uh, the other way is to get to know people that are VExpert Pro is you know if you go on to these uh, conferences that VMware have so the, the user conferences the vForums and the vMugs and maybe VMworld that's another way to, to uh, get to know these people and I'm sure a lot of people at least I do have Twitter handles and where you talk about certain things or you can you know jump on Twitter for and look up the the VExpert hashtag and try to find people that way and I believe that the community that we have uh, in general or broadly over the world is pretty helpful so a lot of people try to help everyone so and a lot of help is available freely these days you know, as compared to the old days yeah yeah I found that the um like well-run advocacy programs are very much inclusive and in trying to grow rather than exclusive and trying to gate people, right? Totally. Um, so rather than trying to keep people out and say, no, no, this is super special, they're trying to get people as much as possible, say, hey, here's the standard and here's what we're looking for and let us help you try to achieve that standard and and mentor you through that process. That That's a much healthier way to do it, I think. Yeah, funny you mention it. I was actually talking to a, a neighbor of mine who was also in IT, and I talk, and I told him about about my VMUG, about my first VMUG. So that was back in 2012, and you know, it was very welcoming when I went there. And I was a little bit you know, nervous when I was walking in. I wasn't sure what to expect, and and I was I actually felt very welcome in there. And you know, people were helpful. You know, people were ready to talk about things, and if you had anything to talk about, you could you know you could present a session yourself, which I did too. Now, did you have to have that that mentor who encouraged you to present for the first time? 
Absolutely. And then some people need a push. Excuse me. Absolutely, dude. So, you know, I used to work with a guy in VMware. His name is Adam Singleton back when I was at ANZ Bank in Melbourne. And he helped me present for the first time in front of a large audience, which was at a user conference in uh, Melbourne. So he was there to kind of, uh, you know, provide a cushion when, when needed. And I think since then I've actually grown in terms of being able to speak publicly. I used to be petrified of, of speaking in public, but now it's much better. And I actually had a chance to present at VMworld in Las Vegas in 2016. I presented a couple of sessions. So I had a, about, you know, 300 people for the first session and about 200 people for the second one. I was actually blown away by how many people wanted to listen to me. I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. And I actually took the opportunity and I think I did reasonably well. Yeah, and I think that when people come to those sessions or when people are preparing to present at those who have never done it before, what they fail to remember is that most of the people who come to those come to learn from the person who's speaking and they, they want it to go well. They want the speaker to succeed. It's not like everybody's there to, oh, I'm going to prove that I'm smarter than this dude. Now, there are people like that, but I feel like they are in the great minority. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the question that I had from people in my session were pretty valuable. Uh, so a lot of people said, you know, tell us more about the architecture that you did. And I said, this is how I did it. And he said, you know, tell us what we can do for our our own uh, infrastructure. And I said, this is how you can do it. I actually did a couple of whiteboard sessions after my sessions too. So I think it was pretty cool in every way. Yeah, that's great. Well, and for you, you know, it it's building your communication skills and helping you think better on the fly, responding to those questions, which in my mind, I think prepares you to interview pretty well because <laughs> you're kind of being interviewed by the audience. Absolutely. You are. Absolutely. So yeah, I, I believe that even if you, even if no one, no one asks you a question, you still have this, uh, have this uh, feeling that someone's going to ask you a question. So you're always well prepared. Oh Yeah. The engineer brain that Josh Fidel told us about does not want to not know the answer. I read that too. <laughs>
we really want to know if we're being helpful and we're always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. So farewell listeners, tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at B Journeyman for the vacationing Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore signing off. Adios. <laughs>